You're listening to Geeks Unleashed, a podcast that covers what's current in the world of pop culture. I'm Mark Brassington, and I'm in London. And I'm Jasmine in Texas. Hello, welcome to Geeks Unleashed. This is episode 60. If you are not already subscribed, you can find us at Geeks Unleashed everywhere, including your favorite podcast platform. Remember, five-star reviews help us get found by more listeners, so please rate and review Geeks Unleashed on Apple or Podchaser. I'm Steven, your esteemed host of Geeks Unleashed, episode 60. Oh, yeah, and also uh, Jasmine and Mark are here, too. Those other guys. Those other guys. You know, the people who started it all. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> who cares? Yeah. Yeah, just, it's a shame they're here, man. Otherwise, it'd just be the Steven Solo show. Yeah, exactly, um, right? Ooh, that so, is a- <laughs> That's nice that ri- Yeah, yeah. Next week it'll just be Stephen. So, anyway, for this week's review, we're sticking with the MCU and reviewing the first season of Loki from Disney Plus. And spoiler warning: this is a review show, so if you have not had a chance to watch Loki on Disney Plus, we suggest you pause this and come back. Uh, otherwise, we are about to spoil all six episodes for you. This week on our Who Wins Wednesday was a, I think it was a good one because there was a lot of controversy. And there's some good comments in the uh, Instagram post, as there always is. Loki versus Joker. Mm-hmm. So who do you think would win, Stephen? Um, well, as I said before, it's Joy Buzzer versus Norse God. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't. Joker is joke. I mean, no matter how cool he is, um, he can't conjure a, just a cannon. <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh. So what about you, Jasmine? Who would win? I mean, it's got to be Loki, right? He's a god. And especially if you're talking about the Loki that appeared, at, spoiler, yeah. uh, at the very end of the God of War video game, like that fucking guy oh, was holy real scary. Like, yeah. yeah, I'm giving it to Loki. Yeah, well, and thought, Loki oh. traditionally has better hair. So uh, this, this Loki, the, the Loki in the verses was the Marvel Comics one. I think if it was the God of War video game, those, that, I mean, those are fucking crazy. The God of War video game versus Arkham Asylum. Hmm, that would that would be a fun <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe we'll maybe we'll re rejig. Uh, but it was I, really um, split though, wasn't it? Because the comments like almost I would say ninety eight percent lean toward Loki, but the poll in the stories was. Mm-hmm heavily heavily like, in favor yeah, of joker awesome. yeah it so just, I, I, think- I i would say for me and i know like how do i get there but joker for me would win yeah how, <laughs> how I, do you how do you get there so the way i see it is joker if you're talking about say a heath ledger style joker you know he's got 20 steps ahead and i just think loki doesn't plan that far ahead like he's more of a spur of the moment crazy where joker is a long-term strategist crazy like he's he can't joker will do the the crazy random shoot the bloke for no reason but he also does have much longer term plans so i can almost see him going to loki come on man like you know let's let's team up whatever um but then secretly joker has already planned loki's death i (laughs) i just you know i i don't know for me i just see loki uh, i see loki as so you basically you see Loki two or three steps Joker. ahead. Yeah, yeah. I think that Joker would definitely take him out one way or the other. You know, they become friends. They might go on holiday <laughs> together. They're sunbathing. <laughs> All of a sudden, Joker kills God. Loki. Like you know. Like, so okay. why do I feel like you know what kind of swimsuits they're wearing while they sunbathe? Yeah, there's definitely like a Hawaiian floral shirt, Tommy Bahama thing going on there. I'm I'm certain. 
<laughs> you know, they're, 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 they're skinny dipping. They're, you know, putting oh, some wow. lotion on each other. Like, this is a family uh, show, Mark. <laughs> is it? <laughs> yes, Stephen. Good grief. As he said, Stephen says as he's drinking his beer. Like, yeah, I was so, going to say. Like, <laughs> and, um, but I, no, the way I see it is Joker plans way too far ahead, where I think Loki doesn't plan far enough ahead. And I think it's fairly evident from when we talk about the TV show, he's got no plans. Like he's just <laughs> going with the flow. So he's winging it. Uh, yeah, he's Joker. Sorry, Loki wings it, and Joker. Joker is a combination of both. So Joker puts well, ten years into something before it pays off for him. Yeah. Well, not to be corny, but Loki survive. So this is true. Oh, that was good. Cool. One. Well, that was a good one. Well, until <laughs> recent, until recently, there was three Jokers. So you know, <laughs> yeah, Are Jokers. Jokers survive plot holes. So that's their yeah. power. <laughs> they multiply almost, with plot yeah, holes. That's almost more important, though, in co- in the comic world, right? Yeah, that's like uh, the how fast does Flash run? Yeah. The speed of the plot. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> So basically what it boils down to is uh, this one is another draw. I would say this one was about as evenly split as Riddick versus uh, Dom Toretto. So I mean, a draw if you think like uh, Loki loses, yeah. I mean, listen, <laughs> listen, listen. The stories said one thing. The comments said another thing. So we got to take both of them into account. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose Stephen and Jasmine, you're both saying Loki and uh, yeah. All right, we'll give it a seventy percent to the Joker. Hey, right. <laughs> I, I, I like, I like George, subtle, or I subtle. like Jerry Lewis, and I like Dave Batista, but I know who would realistically win in a fight. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't discount Jerry Lewis completely. Okay? Well, he is dead now. Well, but... okay, okay, <laughs> well. I mean, if we're being I've just got weird visions of like realistic. a coffin, a coffin fight. Freud Lehman. Anyway. Okay, sorry. We're focused. Let's move on to. Where's your professionalism, else. Mark? Yeah, come on. <laughs> come on. Jasmine, let's just sit back and let Stephen run this shit. Like, oh, geez. <laughs> I don't know about that, man. I don't know yeah, about yeah. that. Um, all right. Just, just to kind of kill the mood for a little bit. So, our first. Oh, news story for the week is a big big one i don't know about you guys but like i you know i'm i'm pretty into a lot of uh gaming stuff so this has dominated my feeds for the week but in the california court system the department of fair employment and housing has filed suit against activision blizzard for a plethora of deplorable things This lawsuit was two years worth of investigating claims from female employees at the company that they reported these incidents to HR. Some (laughs) now I, I don't make a habit of reading court filings, but I read this court filing all like 30 pages of it. And some of the stuff that they are saying happened inside the the walls of like an eight to five job building where Activision Blizzard was like drunken cube crawls, which basically boils down to the male employees either get drunk at work or show up to work hungover and then troll the female employees in the cubicles as they're still like drunkenly in a stupor 
like it's yeah. hulk seriously they they claim and this is the literal terminology that they use in the lawsuit but a frat boy culture uh where there are rape jokes uh there is physical harassment there are pay inequities there is slow to no promotion for women at all and when women report these things they are retaliated against i mean it's it's insane and of course the statement that activision blizzard released was the you know the department of justice or the department the california department of fair employment and housing was supposed to contact us before they filed this in in high court and yada 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 yeah. uh, but like come on think about it the people who produce some of the biggest games in the world world of warcraft diablo overwatch call of duty like is it this is really how you guys roll in the office that's fucking ridiculous yeah. And I mean, there's just no other way to describe that. It's the, like literally reading the accounts of these things in that court filing was some of the worst shit I've ever read. It was just horrific. So two years worth of investigating, this lawsuit finally gets filed and Activision Blizzard's response was, you guys should have informed us before you filed this. Like they didn't, yep. they didn't really dispute anything. They didn't deny anything. They said, you should have talked to us first. Um, and honestly, that pretty much tells me everything that I need to hear. Yeah. Well, that was, that was, uh, like, why didn't you give us a heads up so we could cover this up? Exactly. I mean, (laughs) how else can you interpret that? Yeah. Well, and their, their response was, um, like you said, it didn't address the accusations. Not at all. It it said that they cooperated with, with, uh, was it DFE? Mm -hmm. Um, and that they, and like you said, that they were mad that, what 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 yeah, it's that they like didn't they, get a heads up exactly yeah it's like oh, 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 you didn't tell us specifically what we did wrong so you're saying crawling under ladies desks and saying awful things that's not okay yeah i mean groping and making yeah, rape jokes like, like that's oh it's all fun and games so it's all yeah. we're just joking yeah sure well and actually too, like if you guys keep up with alana pierce she's um a, a really well-known um, commenter on game culture mm-hmm. and she's been she worked at IGN and I believe she's a writer over at Sony now yeah she's got some she's got some pretty smart insights and she digs into like the specifics on the, the lawsuit um, anyway it's just interesting hearing it from because she's worked in gaming and she you know what I mean she's brought this kind of this kind of culture to the forefront before um, yeah Anyway, it's and just, normally yeah. like when we talk about gaming, it's always like, oh, the culture is is bad because everybody's in a crunch culture. So, <laughs> so you know, so basically, it's like, oh, we're working ninety six hours a week, ninety six hour weeks because we got a game launch, yeah. we got a deadline, we got to hit it. Um, but can you imagine like this on top of those ridiculous game schedule? I mean, it's just it's insane and yeah. it it's infuriating because it's a space that I would love to be a a part of, but like stuff like this is the exact reason why i hate multiplayer games yeah like i just don't want to be bothered with the harassment that comes with it yeah and the funny thing is like uh, as a guy plays games like i can't i can't relate to it like i don't uh, you know so many of these kind of conversations like i don't i've heard stories about reference i've heard stories about like 
like friends where they've like say left their headset on the mm-hmm. side or something because they've I don't know halfway through had to stop playing a game or something because you know life happens and they put their headset down and they've come back and heard people in the background going like what the fuck are you doing blah, blah blah you know like and they're like well man I'd like had to go out to the door or I had to go help my wife or I had to go help my kids yeah well you're fucking playing a game like you know like it's like all right man it's just like it's, it is serious um, like, but yeah this is uh, who knows what is going to be the outcome. I'm hoping that, I mean, what else can you hope for other than the victims receive some kind of recompense uh, for the horrible things that they went through? This story does sound horrendous. This has to change. Like this, this cannot be the way forward. I mean, it it, it just can't, you cannot have these exclusive spaces that are only for men. Like you just can't. Well, I was going to say this story, like, sounds like one of the worst examples i've heard of of this kind of behavior like you hear about it marginally like i.e like one or two people but that like literally sounds like the entire culture of this company was exactly was, was this, like this like was it says one guy boy. in one department that was ruining things for everyone no no this is everyone and there's well, no and way that all this stuff is happening and the higher ups don't know about it like obviously these women reported these things to hr and I'm sure, like most big corporations, they did an internal investigation, which I don't even think yeah. companies should ever be allowed to do an internal investigation. Um, that should always be a, a third party. Uh, but two years, like the, the you know, DHF was investigating this for two years. Yeah. Well, and it's <clears throat> honestly, and it, even though the, I think a lot of times it feels like, well, not everyone there was doing it, but it's a culture of complicity. Yes, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Where, you know, you make excuses for, for somebody who is otherwise a nice guy mm-hmm. or you, you know what I mean? You, you <clears throat> make people who call out these kind of behaviors feel like they're being a problem. Right. Um, oh, and he that's was like, just joking. Yeah. Why do you take it so seriously? Yeah. Anyway, it's I I for one, honestly, I'm not a big fan of of Activision anyway. Like, weren't they in the middle of like a big executive payout fiasco? Um, um yeah, didn't it have something to do with Netflix? The they poached someone from Netflix or something like that. I don't remember. I I ran across something about Robert Kotick. I thought, mm-hmm. um, but anyway, it was some kind of. I may be mixing up my facts here, but it was an exchange um, based on COVID where it ended up not to be as altruistic as it looked. <laughs> anyway, so sorry, no, I'm derailing no again. No surprise coming from a company with, with a lawsuit filed with these kinds of claims. So yeah. anyway, Activision, Blizzard, get your shit together. Like, <laughs> seriously, this is ridiculous. Yep. So moving into, I mean, it can only be described much as better nice news. Much better news. Yeah, much better news. Um, Michaela, Michaela, I can't say it. Michaela Cole. Michaela, let me start again. Moving on to much nicer news. Michaela Cole has been cast in Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Um, The British star has been announced having joined the cast, although nobody knows what she's going to be. There's clearly always fanboy speculation. That's probably most likely wrong because that's what Marvel does to us. We (laughs) guess and we guess and we guess and we... We shout out that it's Dom Damanu or what's that guy? Uh, everyone kept saying in uh, in One Division. Um, oh. oh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, oh, everybody said it was Mephisto. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like everyone kept saying it was Mephisto. Anyway, there's a lot of speculation that people think this could be Storm. 
They were I right mean, about Jonathan Majors, though. He was Kang. <laughs> well, uh, well, yeah, yeah. Well, he that will was be one time, Stephen. Yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, <laughs> batting one in a thousand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So in case you don't know her, she's been in loads of things, most uh, famously for the TV series I May Destroy You, but she's been in a lot of other things as well, uh, British things, The Aliens, um, Chewing Gum, a really small role in Star Wars The Last Jedi, she had a couple episodes in Black Mirror, um, Black Earth Rising, she's quite, you know, um, had quite a nice sort of slow burning career. Yeah, so she's um, from... Uh, she grew up in London, uh, Tower Hamlets to be specific, and uh, I'm excited for her to be in it. I so let's talk about the Storm thing. Like, let's let's play it out. If she is Storm, now the only reason they put her as Storm in there is because of a potential love interest with Black Panther. Um, as we know, that Chadwick Bosman isn't going to be in it. Now that kind of to me thinks well. We still don't know who Black Panther's going to be, do we? Um, so there was a lot of talk around it being Black Panther's sister, Shuri. So if she's been brought in as a potential love interest for Black Panther, are they going down the route of not recasting, um, obviously, Black Panther, but having a new one, like maybe Baku could be Black Panther, I don't know. Like That's kind of what my thoughts are. Are we going to see like a, a new Black Panther come in and she's going to be the love interest of the new Black Panther? I don't know. What, what are your or thoughts? is she a previous love interest that comes back to Wakanda because T'Challa has died? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it could be, yeah. She, maybe, they, maybe the opening scenes are a funeral and she's there. Um, and then maybe, maybe, uh, But then I hope that they don't play it where it's her versus Nakia. Like that would just be a terrible thing to do yeah. to put them <laughs> against each other. Yeah, well, I hope not. But um, I don't know. Like I, I don't know. I'm curious if it is down the storm route. Like why? Why? Like why would they bring that in? So that's kind of my thoughts. Is why would you bring why Storm in? Indeed. Yeah. Why would you bring it in? Because we know that Storm and Chichana got married in the comics, and obviously are not together anymore. But that that would be a brilliant move for Marvel to try and pair up, pair them up. We know that they're not going to recast Chichana. So, is there a new Black Panther? That's kind of what my thoughts were. Like a new male Black Panther, rather than what we were thinking was was Shuri become Shuri. Black Panther. Yeah. yeah. So that maybe would be Shuri interesting still, if they're laying the groundwork Shuri. for that. Maybe Shuri will become Black Panther. Maybe maybe there'll be multiple Black Panthers. So maybe they're going to go down that route. So, you know, I don't know. We're just guessing. guessing yeah, we're all, shit here. And Marvel is just loving it. We're, we're, we're doing all this free advertising for Marvel. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> yep. Tell us more about Marvel, Stephen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Disney and Marvel kind of got into... Um, I won't say deep water because, or, you know, but they got into a little bit of trouble with theater owners um, because of the, the split um, that they've been doing. It began with Mulan um, and then continued most recently with Black Widow, where they offer a premiere access to films that are released simultaneously in theaters. And it's, it harkens back to a, I feel like a, like a deeper issue with um, movie studios and movie theaters. Um, movie theaters not really understanding that, that without the venues, they wouldn't have existed for however long, especially in the United States, the, the dollar split on a ticket is like 60% in the studio's favor. Um, and, Anyway, all that to say, uh, 
I think theaters have had enough between this and with the universal deal that they had to cut um, just to ensure that they could get universal films in their in their theaters and uh, and accommodate the early release there on streaming. Um, I think that they're <clears throat> that theaters are putting down their foot and saying that, hey, you know, we've supported Hollywood for this long and we need we need you to now that the Plus. pandemic is you know, is tapering off in certain areas or hopefully tapering off depending um, that we can actually get back to business as normal. And, um, <clears throat> you know, Warner brothers has already come out. They were the other, they were the other big proponent of releasing on streaming. And a lot of people saw them as a bigger problem because they didn't even charge on their streaming service. They were just hoping to, to gain a user base. Um, but they have come out and said that essentially the, that the simultaneous release on streaming was a 2021 situation and that they, they don't plan to continue that past this year. Um, so it, it'll be curious to see how that, how that changes for Disney um, because Black Widow, like it's still done really well in theaters, but the, this 60% drop last weekend. And then also um, the split, like they said that it made something like $60 million, if I'm remembering correctly on Disney plus mm -hmm. versus the 80 million. I mean, that's a, you know what I mean? For theaters, that's revenue they really needed right now. So anyway, it's just a, it's an interesting thing that I, I personally kind of hope breaks on the theaters favor they've had, you know, they've been struggling for a while now. You know, I actually should have done a little bit more research, but I kind of want to look at the numbers of like Fast 9 compared to Black Widow since Fast yeah. 9 did not have any kind of simultaneous release. It was only in theaters. Yeah. Um, and I imagine that that is just as big a blockbuster as Black Widow is hmm. or, you know, could be. Um, yeah. So I just, I'm, I'm interested to see what, what that looks like because Universal was banking on the theater comeback, which was why they were... The Fast franchise was the first film when the pandemic hit to get pushed back anyway, because it was supposed to drop April of 2020, which yeah. was sort of right when in the middle of nobody really knew what the hell was going on with well, coronavirus. I mean, I just quickly Googled this. Like, I'll be honest, didn't like you say prep, but it said um, Black Widow plunges 67% as Fast 9 nears uh, 600 million worldwide. So 600 million in theaters. I mean, yeah. that's a lot of freaking money. Yeah. Well, and I will say it's it's kind of early to be to be say, dismissing Black Widow 2 because um, Fast and the Furious opened to 80 million versus the, or 70 million versus the 80 million. And then on top of that, it also had a 67 or in the 60 percent drop the second weekend. But it's it's held pretty well and it's done really well overseas. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's worth kind of seeing how it goes. But. Well, I don't think I think it's it's a bad idea for them to expect sanctions have been lifted and and yeah. things are opening up again and people are going to go do exactly what they had been doing before it's way too soon for that i yeah. don't think that the normal quote unquote that everybody is chasing is going to just it's not going to happen overnight i mean yeah, we're probably not going to see things get back to any semblance of normalcy until well into 2022 yeah uh, well and to honestly to argue with myself i was frustrated with the dune director for throwing such a hissy fit about about only releasing in theaters because it's you know at the time that he was so upset um there was no end in sight you know what i mean mm -hmm. and we still don't really know how the variants are going to play out and you know what the what the whole situation is going to be like in a couple of months so yeah i can see your point that makes sense but. well my city just stepped up their uh, corona threat level from yeah. like yellow to orange so <laughs> 
yeah, my my city at the very least seems to be worried about the variant. But at yeah. the same time, like, I, I also think it's very strange that Hollywood seems to be so insistent on it's over. Let's get back to the way that things were. Like, there is no yeah. ramp up. There is no or ramp down. Like, um, I've seen a lot of things with, you know, reviewers and critics and things like that, where a lot of the movies that are coming out, especially from like WB, they're not doing press screenings in digital format anymore. So like if you want to see mm. the film as a member of the press, you have to go to a physical screening. Um, but they are also not requiring like masks or any kind of protocols at those physical. Like, so it's, it's almost just like they flip the switch and expect that everybody else to be able to just flip that switch right along with them. Yeah, I think that yeah. that is the wrong approach. Now, whether or not you require people to wear masks, whether or not you want that's that's a whole different story. But for something as global as this pandemic has been, I don't think mm -hmm. it's fair to just flip a switch and say, yeah. you know, in the month of June, we were doing this. But come July 1st, everything switches back to this. And it's like, no, no, no it should be like, OK, we're yeah. going to buy like by September, like you give people time to grow into the idea that things are going back to quote unquote normal instead yeah. of thrusting it upon them and almost punishing people if they don't want to do that. Yeah. Well, and I think that, I think that theaters, their big concern is that a lot of executives, um, Warner brothers specifically, like, um, like they used, they used COVID not to their benefit because it hurt them overall, mm -hmm. but they used it as a strategy to propel HBO max and to prop it up <clears throat> with, via an edict from AT&T. Mm -hmm. I think that theater chains somewhat panicked because it's like, all, uh, you know, we've seen what happened, like GameStop. Um, GameStop is in the middle of, of either, they're either going to crash and burn or they're going to reinvent based on digital distribution. Services like Game Pass are really threatening the, the in-person kind of model. And I think mm -hmm. that theaters saw digital take a huge step that it had not taken before COVID. And forcing everyone, you know what I mean, for the right reasons, but everyone being forced at home for a year, yeah. it, it changed habits. Like it could, I mean, it could be the thing that, that knocks the majority of theaters completely out. Even yeah. now we don't, you know, we don't know they're, they've survived to this point, but like you said, I think it, it has the panic in them. I don't know. There's people yeah. are able with the flexibility of digital distribution, the consumer is now able to decide where they want to put their money and more importantly than where, but like when I, when I am spending this money, yeah. like if I, if I want to watch, you know, like say this was six months ago and I was like, you know what? I really do want to watch wonder woman 84. Like, okay, fine. So I got a month of HBO max for 15 bucks so I can watch wonder woman 84, but I can also watch everything else in the HBO catalog for mm -hmm. that 30 day period. If I only want to spend 15 bucks, like, it's too good of a deal to pass up. I've got, I bought a fire stick recently. And obviously we got things like the BBC iPlayer, which, and, and a few of the other, um, like ITV, which I know you guys probably don't know any of that, but it's just like normal television apps, which are free anyway. And I can stream stuff for normal television if I wanted to. Um, and then I've obviously got your Netflixes and I, I've paid for Netflix, paid for Disney and I paid for Amazon. And that's all I pay for. And I paid for, I actually 
paid for um, Disney twice, two years now. I've just paid for it annually. So it's done once. Um, actually, maybe you should start doing that with Amazon because you can do that with Amazon. Because <laughs> um, you never, never. Well, but there's always off. savings too if you pay annually instead. Yeah, of yeah, yeah. But but the thing is, like, but that's all I pay for now. So even if I paid for, even if I paid for Disney, Amazon, and uh, Netflix monthly, that's like no more than thirty quid a month, which is which which was what I was paying anyway, plus mm-hmm. the Sky. So. But yeah, we yeah, I don't know. I I mean it's it's got the the flexibility, but I think yeah, so to come back to what we even started with this conversation was talking about the movies. I do think they need to stop it and they need to go back to the theaters and stop putting it online. I understand that we're in a middle of you know, middle ending of this COVID thing, or I know there's more and more different variants, but we're not gonna we're not gonna get into science all that now. But um people want to get back to normality though there uh, i know there's a confidence thing though because some people aren't confident to go back to normality but mm. i mean legally over here in the uk mark what was well, sorry in england because different rules in wales and ireland and scotland but um on monday no longer had to legally wear masks when you were going out mm-hmm. and i have noticed in the last five or six days more and more people let not wearing masks um but that's but i don't think it's covid i think it's confidence in actually people not having a go at people for wearing masks i don't like so because it's personal choice and so that confidence to probably go into crowded places like cinemas and train state uh, trains and things like that i don't know because i've i've not done that in the last five or six days i will be going on a train tomorrow so i'm curious to see what it's like um but I think it's a lot of confidence. The confidence is probably to do COVID, but it's probably the confidence of what other people think of you. So how long is it going to be for that confidence to return? Probably could be towards the end of this year or next year. And that could be in line with things like you're saying about HBO, saying that it's a one-year thing. So I definitely think that there's a combination of different reasons why people aren't confident into returning to theatres. But I honestly think that part of this is also just a natural stage of technological evolution. I mean, yeah. we moved away from VHS to DVD. We moved away from DVD to Blu-ray. Like yeah. this, this kind of thing happens on a regular basis. So I don't understand why instead of trying to find a way into like this streaming bracket, like I don't understand why theaters are so resistant as opposed yeah. to well, trying they, to get they're losing their it. money they're losing no their- i oh. get that but like they're but they're not innovating like they're not doing anything to try to innovate they're they are doing everything that they can to try to go back to the way that things were Maybe. and i think once we take a step forward it is very very difficult to get people to move backward maybe no, theater, maybe yeah. theaters need to do what what actually all the streaming platforms done the trouble is the theaters are very much kind of middle middle people aren't they they get the studios to give them content they put out there maybe maybe the theaters need to go actually hold on a minute we need to go and create our own studios i don't think they're going to go that far well i mean why not like they get their own exclusive content like it's not on any platforms so well and it's yeah i think everyone is afraid of becoming tower records and yeah like but no one is doing anything different to not become they're tower just, records, right? Yeah, they're just watching the train coming, going, "I don't like the train." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Now, listen, I I used to work at a movie theater, and at the time that I worked at a movie theater, I worked um, at the Burbank AMC, which at the time was the second largest AMC in the entire country. Um, that was I I was working at a movie theater when digital projection became a thing. 
So at the time they were very worried because they were like, eventually we're not even going to need a lot of our staff anymore because we won't need a projectionist because there is no need to cut film, to splice film together, to deal with the reels, to do any of the physical labor that came with projection technology versus like it's a digital projector. So you literally flick a button and the movie starts. So movie theaters have done this transition before. So that's, that's what bugs me. It's like, I don't understand why you're not trying to get ahead of this technology versus trying to yeah. pull people back. It's, it's not, it's not going to work if you're trying to get people to come backward. It never works that way. Yeah. So I don't well, want movie theaters to die, but like they have got to do something to innovate instead of just yelling at everyone else for doing the digital route. Like they've got to get in on the digital route some kind of way. Yeah, well, I think they were on their way to kind of trying to make it more of an experience with dine-in theaters coming back. Yes. But I think COVID kicked them in the woohoo. And, yeah. and they're at a disadvantage. Like they were trying to acclimate, but but yeah, anyway, it's it's interesting. It, I'm curious how it's all going to pan out. Yeah, I just, I don't like that it comes across. To me, when I see stuff like this, all I can see is like all these theater owners are whining. You are whining oh, and you are complaining <laughs> to the movie theaters. You're complaining to anyone that'll listen. You're releasing these yeah. statements, but it's like, what are you actually doing to combat this? You are relying on these people to be your lifeblood, which it, on the one hand, they have to be. But at the same time, like if, if yeah. streaming is how things are happening, then you should be trying to buy rights with these streaming services. You should be like, they have, you know, what they call fathom events, right? Where you can watch Met Opera at the movie theater in your local hometown, because you obviously can't fly to New York and actually go to the Met theater to watch opera. So like you have a means to do these kinds of streaming things. Like, why don't you do more of that? Why don't yeah. you reach out instead of fighting with Warner Brothers? Why don't you reach out to them and be like, yo, okay. So like you broadcast shit on HBO Max. Like how can we set up a relationship so that we can also broadcast HBO Max to the, like maybe we'll do like weekly events. Like, hey, this week we're doing an HBO Max showing of blah, blah, blah movie. You know, like yeah. why can't you do that? Yeah, I think it's hard. I I am kind of the reverse. I have less trust in the movie studios than in the theater um, owners. <laughs> and it's, I could see the paradox. I just, I think movie studios are sharks who pretend oh, to be lambs. Of course, lambs. They, are. <laughs> of course they, are. They're, they're, they pretend to be very altruistic, but they will cut your head off if it'll make them, if they'll sell another dozen tickets. <laughs> yeah. And see, the um, thing is, when I was at the theater, they used to tell us all the time. Now, maybe this was a lie, but they used to tell us that they didn't make any money off the tickets, yeah. that they made all their money off the concessions. Yeah. Well, and in, in the U.S., sorry, man, man, we are really on this one, but <laughs> it's, a, like, we'll, we'll, it's a big we'll topic, cut. though. It's a big yeah. topic. Well, in the U.S., the cut is is much worse for theaters abroad. Like the there's a there's a different split. And mm. I think it's anyway. But, yeah, it's just an interesting topic. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, like, we could probably carry on for another two hours just talking about this. So we'll, we'll bring it to a close and we'll just take a quick break and we'll be back in a moment. Hey, this is Chris and Lance asking you to check out our podcast, Comic Book Keepers. Each episode features one hero, villain, team or series. Learn history behind a wide variety of comic book characters and creators. Get recommendations on what storylines to read. Uncover how characters were created highlight adaptations in media, and answer comic fandom's what-if questions. 
You can find us on all major streaming platforms or on most social media at CBKCast. And remember, keep your friends close, but your comic books closer. I'm Agent Mobius, by the way. Are you taking me somewhere to kill me? No, that's where you just were. I'm taking you someplace to talk. Well, I don't like to talk. But you do like to lie, which you just did. As we both know, you love to talk. How long have you been here? I don't know, it's hard to say. You know, time passes differently here in the TVA. What does that mean? And we're back. So for our second half of the episode, we have moved on from news to talking about Loki season one on Disney+. Plus. So, Loki season one. Based on characters created by Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, and Larry Lieber from Marvel Comics. This series was created by Michael Waldron. It was directed by Kate Heron, who is not returning for the second season. It stars Tom Hiddleston, Gugu Mbatha-Ra, Winumi Masaku, Eugene Cordero, Tara Strong, Owen Wilson, Sofia DiMartino, Sasha Lane, Jack Deal, Deobia Opari, Richard E. Grant, and Jonathan Majors. So before we jump into the review, like Loki... Tom Hiddleston was in a variety of movies before we even got to this, starting with 2011's Thor. Um, showed up again in terrible Avengers film. 2012. Well, I think the first two are fairly terrible. Anyway, Avengers 2012, which I, which well, in I hindsight, like I think it was great at the time. Yeah, it didn't age well at all. I don't think it's aged yeah. well. Like well, when it first came out, I was so excited. I literally like, uh, and even when I walked out, I was so buzzed. But oh no, on man. but on rewatching, yeah, no. it's not aged as well. <laughs> but anyway. it's got some classic moments. Yeah, Duff, it does. Duff Mother, it does. know you weareth her drapes. Yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> um, and then we returned to Loki in Thor The Dark World, which is even worse. The, than the worst first of all the MCU films, y'all. Yeah. Yeah. For real. Um, and then, and then we were back for the best one, Thor Ragnarok in 2017, which actually literally was like they reinvented the Thor franchise. Yes. It was just so good. Amazing what a good haircut and not dying uh, Chris Hemsworth eyebrows would do for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, then then um, Tom Hiddleston returned for a few moments in Avengers Infinity War, which was almost like his redeeming arc, really. Like, come, he'd come, you know, yeah, he hey, comes come with different parts. So, so you can die. Yeah, <laughs> no. yeah, but he obviously knew what was. They obviously lined up some sort of yeah, return yeah. for him. Like, so then he came back again in Avengers Endgame 2019, again for literally two or three minutes. But before we talk about Loki, t- the TV series, what I loved about his scenes in Endgame was I loved that these scenes followed Avengers 2012, like that, like literally, you know, them wrapping up, chatting. And it was more casual, you know, like Tony Stark and everyone and just the casualness of it all and the stuff that you wouldn't really want to see in a film, like, but just them sort of mopping up. And and I thought, to, and I thought, this is pretty cool, actually, that you've gone back and you've kind of jumped in after the first Avengers movie finished and you're just sort of watching Loki go down the elevator. And, you know, it's as like close sort of, to like a behind the scenes moment. Yeah, it's kind of, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Like when, I, when we watched um, Endgame and I was like, this is quite a nice sort of behind the like you say behind the scenes moment, and what and I loved it when I watched Endgame. Suddenly Loki picks up the ter- tesseract and just disappears. I was yeah. like, okay, that wasn't planned. And like literally, <laughs> they did they literally didn't even bother when they go, went back and returned all the Infinity Stones. It was the one thing they left out. And everyone at the time was like, okay, well you've pretty much by the time Endgame had finished, 
you'd pretty much put everything back. I know Steve Rogers decided to not come forward, but we all made the assumption that he'd stayed as um, sort of almost undercover over the years, you know, um, that Peggy had never let anyone know, including what we assume was in, in um, the second Captain America film that when she, um, when Peggy passed away, um, that she d- didn't even disclose to Steve that, you know, she was probably, that he was probably sitting at home as an old man, um which which we've all made that assumption is it was he alive the whole time which you know so and but he just stayed as a secret which I, which i'm hoping was the case i'm hoping that it was all a secret that old steve matt old steve rogers was sitting at home knowing he couldn't come visit his his wife in hospital because he knew his younger self was there um that's what i assumed but at no point have they ever gone and mopped up loki which is really you know a nice transition into loki season one so when i heard about loki season one coming out i didn't make the assumption that it was going to be this that they would follow this variant there was a lot of rumors about whether it was going to be kid loki or what what, what was it going to be so i think it'd be nice just to sort of what our initial thoughts were on what what we uh what we thought it was going to be uh versus what actually did happen i mean just quick summary Stephen. what what's your sort of what did you think it was going to be about versus what we got yeah, I thought, <clears throat> honestly, I thought because he was stranded with a Tesseract, he was just going to keep leaping to the wrong place, um, trying to get back where he had some kind of power. Um, mm. But I'm, yeah, I, yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> um, and did you enjoy season one overall? Or what's your overall thoughts on season one? Uh, yeah, I love, I really loved it. There's, like it doesn't have my favorite episode, uh, but it's overall it's my favorite story. Um, Falcon Winter Soldier probably has two of my favorite episodes, um, but overall Loki was I just loved it. The sci-fi action adventure just mm-hmm. just it was just fun, and it had my favorite kind of humor is just like outlandish, and it even had <laughs> a, a little bit of that. You know what I mean? So oh yeah yeah yeah. Um, Jasmine, what do you think? But sort of, you know, your, your, you know, your initial thoughts going in, what do you think it was going to be versus what we got? I actually thought that when he went back with the Tesseract, I thought we were going to get just this completely ridiculously chaotic thing um, with no real structure, no nothing. Like kind of like Steven said, like he's just jumping around from time to time. Um, so I was very, very surprised that like, they immediately just squashed that feeling because as soon as he jumped to Mongolia, the TBA was like right there immediately. Yep. Like before, like he barely had a chance to say three words to the people that he encountered before the TBA stepped in. It was like, Whoa, you don't belong here. Um, <laughs> so I think, I think that sort of quick reigning in of like fans imagination of what happened uh, was, was a really smart move. And it therefore set the tone for me and my expectations for the rest of the series versus like after Endgame in my head, I'm like, oh, it'd be hilarious if Loki goes back and he runs into dinosaurs. Like <laughs> I totally see that something like that happening. Um, mm-hmm. So it kind of, I guess it kind of expecting like this time traveling adventure, sort of like a quantum leap, but not. Yeah. Um, yeah, but they like definitely the, like the opposite of quantum leap. Yeah, but like they they quashed it immediately, and yeah. and I think that that was a really really smart thing to do. I think because um, he died, and then we heard there was um, going to be a Loki show. 
it kind of hadn't really considered what they were going to do with the Loki that disappeared. I don't think I really put two and two together. And then I heard that Tom Hiddleston was going to be in it. I was like, well, isn't he dead? Like, haven't they killed Loki? Like, I didn't, re- it didn't really ring to me that they were going to go and grab this older Loki. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of thought going in, it was going to be, because in the comics, Loki has been a child, he's been a woman. And I thought, well, maybe this is going to be like Kid Loki. Um, and then when I heard Tom Hiddleston was going to be in it, I thought, well, maybe it's going to be Kid Loki, but Tom Hiddleston's going to narrate it. A bit like that. Um, the supernatural big- thing? No, 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 a bit like, you know, the Big Bang Theory, that spin-off, um, Young oh, yeah. Sheldon. Young Sheldon. Yeah, yeah. So I thought it was going to be a bit like that. So I was like, okay, well, maybe that's what they're going to do. Because I thought, I know they're gearing up towards Young Avengers. That's what it feels like anyway. So I thought, well, maybe that's where they're going with this. Maybe it's going to be Tom Hiddleston no longer is, is kind of as on screen, but maybe he's going to narrate Young Loki. And then when they went back to those, when it literally, when the show opened and on, on Avengers 2012, I was like, oh shit, this is the Loki we're getting. <laughs> I was like, okay. I was like, right, okay. So we're not getting Kid Loki. We're going to go. I knew where they were going with this. I thought, okay, this is going to be the Loki that managed to grab the Tesseract and disappear. So I was like, okay, this is cool. Um, and then in overall, in terms of the show, I one of the things I would say, um, which is very different from what I'd said on Falcon and WandaVision, definitely WandaVision. I had the whole, I had to watch it weekly because I wanted to know, because it, it was the mystery and I know Loki had mystery but with the mystery of WandaVision I was so much more hooked with WandaVision than I was with this WandaVision I was like I've got to know what's going to happen next week I've got to know like I wanted to know I was like what's going on I was just so like you know it's this 50s drama thing I was like I know it's not real but who's controlling it I wanted to know like it was it was driving me mental like and the little voices that were creeping the radio and is it was it Wanda that was doing it or was it someone else and by the end of it, it was Wanda and um although she'd been manipulated slightly it was but- Agatha no, no, well, it was Wanda, and then she yeah. was manipulated by Agatha. But I, but yeah, again, it was Mephisto, it's Mephisto. Like, so I was just like the whole time I was like coming up with my own theories, and then I was hope. Then when the guy, uh, the Quicksilver actor from the X Men movie showed up, I was like, oh, they're bringing they're bringing in mutants. Bringing, like, it's finally <laughs> happening. And I was like, every week yeah. I was so buzzed. But with this, I would say, I watched the first episode when it came out, and I loved it. Like. But it didn't give me the whole, I need to watch this next week. I yeah. need to watch this next week. So I didn't watch all five episodes weekly. I actually sat down and watched all five in one go. Um, so I watched the first on week one. And then I just, I mean, I've got loads of stuff going on anyway, but I, I didn't feel the need to come in weekly, which not a criticism on the show, but they, and it, there was a mystery element, but the mystery element didn't drive me to tune in weekly like um, Division did. And I'm not saying that either show is better than the other. I enjoyed them both. But for, for the mystery element, the mystery element to me on this show wasn't as sort of powerful as WandaVision was. The pull wasn't uh, as powerful on this show. Yeah, yeah, the pull. Yeah, yeah. I enjoyed it. I think it was a brilliant show. So in terms of what I thought was great was, because obviously Tom Hiddleston as Loki had a lot of character development throughout those movies, even through the bad four films and the Avengers movies and stuff like that. And we got to see him going from... Uh, you know, the villain to where he died in Endgame, um, or sorry, Infinity War, um, you know, you could see he'd really come round to him and Thor becoming like brothers. And that was one thing I thought, I don't want them to undo any of that. And actually by the end of episode one, he wasn't the same guy that died, but he'd pretty much become that way. So I think we, we needed that full episode to bring him full circle. So whilst 
it was a long first episode to get him there. I think it was a necessary episode because otherwise you wouldn't want to spend two or three seasons now getting this Loki to where, you know, he died in Infinity War. So I think it took a full hour to get us to Infinity War Loki. Although, like I say, he's probably a few steps away from it. But I definitely would say by the end of the season, we're, we're seeing Infinity War Loki back, like in terms of his caring for other people. Um, especially that last, I mean, we won't talk about that just yet, but that last few moments when he runs back into the TVA, it felt like someone who cared. So anyway, so my overall thoughts is I I actually did enjoy it, but I just didn't feel there was the same pull that I had with WandaVision. Now see, I think the whole like didn't feel the same pull thing was actually on purpose because Mm -hmm. Loki was the first of these new Disney Plus series to actually get confirmed for a second season. Whereas WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier, to a certain extent, are seemingly one and done. Um, And I think Loki didn't have that pull because it was always meant to be serial. Like, it was always Mm -hmm. meant to be the kind of thing that you come back to at some point. Um, And so I think that that was sort of vindicated at the very, you know, in the end credits of the sixth episode where they're like, oh, by the way, we'll be back for a season two. (laughs) Um, Actually, we haven't written this down, but... WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Loki, they're all very different styles. But what would you guys say in terms of re-watching the, any of those shows? Like which one, if, you, if, I, if I sat you all down and said, right, you've got three shows to choose from, which one would you go to re-watch? Loki. Yeah, I think I would too. And honestly, like <clears throat> I totally get WandaVision. I got caught up in all of the speculation mm-hmm. um, <laughs> just like you did. And, yeah. But I will say, like when I watched Loki, it's because I wanted to watch Loki. I didn't care how it connected to the MCU. I didn't care about any of that other stuff. I wanted to see how how he, his relationship with Sylvie mm-hmm. evolved. I wanted mm. to see what would happen with Agent B-15 because um, she, like, there were so many compelling characters and they were all really well acted. Like Tom Hiddleston had more to do in this series than he had in in all of the, movies, of the yeah. other movies. That's a nice like, little segue you just set up there, Stephen. <laughs> That's a nice little segue you've set up for me for my for my next uh, point. So actually on Instagram, I did this deliberately. I set up a thing on Thursday where I dropped a "Who is your favorite Loki?" Mm-hmm. and alligator. There was, there was a hell of a lot of comments <laughs> for the alligator. There was a hell of a lot. I'm sure. Yeah. And um, however, they were not. But what I would say is coming in second, which I'm sure he would be not very happy about Richard E. Grant actually came in second on a lot of the, on the comments. So the alligator got a lot of, he got most of the comments and then oh, Richard E. Grant. He bit off someone's hand. Like, oh, no. <laughs> a Loki hand. Yeah. 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 He bit off um, President Loki's hand. Yeah. So. Which, but then what, one of my favorite parts of the whole show is President Loki just looking at his stump. And then screaming. Oh. Oh! <laughs> it's like, oh. he's so good, man. Yeah. 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 Oh. Well, I mean, I know that's just obviously Tom Hiddleston, not his twin brother, but Tom Hiddleston, again, <laughs> to show the range of yeah. the actor. But what, what, yeah. what, what's your favorite Lokis? Like, alligator. Like the alligator. alligator. <laughs> because it was so unexpected. Like, I, yeah. because I did not watch this in, like, on time. I waited until the Tuesday before the final episode. I binged the first five and then I woke up early that morning and I watched the sixth episode. So like I, I purposely avoided all of the Loki stuff. So I had no idea that there was going to be a freaking alligator. And when we got to that (laughs) sequence where there's an, and the fact that 
the other Lokis could talk to the alligator Loki and, and Tom Hiddleston like couldn't like, it was just one of those things where I was like, this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. And I love it. Like, I love it so much. And especially (laughs) like the, the sort of antagonistic relationship that boastful Loki had with the alligator where he's like, well, you know, at least I got here because I did something bad. Whereas you just ate the wrong person's cat. And I'm just like, Oh my God, I love this alligator Loki. Like, I don't even know why. Yeah. Well, about you, Stephen? What was your favorite other Loki? Not yeah. Tom Hiddleston. Well, um, not main Tom Hiddleston or yeah. variant, yeah. whatever he was. Honestly, I, that whole the the episode dominated by them that was just a blast. But I, Richard E. Grant, um, the classic Spice Loki. world. Yeah, classic, well, classic, yeah. classic Loki, as he, as they call him. Well, and what I loved about him, what I loved about him, he, <laughs> I don't know, man. He just he captured, okay, the Jack Kirby era Loki. Um, I never found him really compelling, but Richard E. Grant completely captured it and made it compelling. Like he was, he was funny and charming and off-putting all at once. Um, And uh, I watched some interviews with Richard E. Grant and he speculates that, that he's still out there, but I think that's because he wants to keep playing the role and he wants, (laughs) he's trying to pitch a classic Loki and and Gator Loki spinoff. He was also very disappointed that his suit didn't have muscles. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Which I thought was hilarious. Yeah, man. Well, I just, yeah, I, I loved that, that character. Yeah. And it, it's like uh, somebody else mentioned, I think it was new rock stars was talking about how they've worked in the old spandex versions of these Mm -hmm. characters. And Mm -hmm. it was just kind of fun. Oh yeah. Cause they did that. They did that with, um, in one division as well, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. uh, That's sort of this in the Halloween episode uh, in the old, the classic. And yeah. And when I saw the photo, cause I I did unfortunately see a few of these photos. I did have it ruined for me. There's the only trouble we're not keeping up weekly. I did have it ruined about Richard E. Grant and um, Mark, you got to learn to start muting hashtags and stuff. That's what I did. Well, the trouble is because I obviously post most of the social media. It's just so uh, difficult to avoid. Yeah, but, um, yeah. Maybe I just need to watch weekly when these things happen. But anyway, <laughs> the trouble is when you get a show like Stranger Things, when Netflix just drop it all on a Friday, yeah. I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. Like, it's, <laughs> I had plans this weekend. No, you didn't. Uh, you had the wrong plans then. The trouble, the trouble with with um, Netflix is they don't always tell you when they're going to drop stuff. I know they have said Stranger yeah. Things out in October, but they probably just won't tell you when. It'll just be released. Like, and I'm like, great. Like, I had other things to do. Damn it. Anyway, my my favorite Loki. I, I it's got to be Sylvie. I loved Sylvie. Oh like, yeah. I thought Sylvie probably stole the show. Like, she was so good. Like. <laughs> And I, I, I know it was a weird love interest to have between her and... Mobius described Brilliant. it perfectly, though, yep. when he was like, you are so narcissistic that you literally fell in love with yourself. Oh, yeah. And, like, that line <laughs> stuck with me for the entire series where I was like, holy yeah. shit, he's right. Like, Loki literally fell in love with another version of Loki. I love yeah. that, though, that she didn't want to be called Loki, which means she doesn't really want to be associated with that type of Loki, mm-hmm. which says to me that she doesn't have that same... Well, she's the only one she, that had like her own personality. She, yeah, she did. She has an element of selfishness because obviously her own selfishness may have just gone and created, you know, the big bad of phase four. Um, but she generally did seem to care, although she was driven by revenge. 
But I, I don't know. I, I enjoyed her screen chemistry with Tim Anderson, Tim Hiddleston, and I thought their chemistry between both of them was really good. They did pick a really good partner. I don't know what the casting process was, whether they had to do a couple of scenes together or anything like that, but um, they chose really well in getting her um, because those two had so much screen time. Uh, the scene between those two on the train uh, where Tom where she wakes up and Tom Hiddleston's drunk singing away, <laughs> yeah. such, a good, such a good moment. So Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. You know, so, before so, you switch, what I loved about yeah. um, the actress, Sofia DiMartino, was she is a new mom. And so she was still oh, breastfeeding the costume. when they were yeah. And like the, like her showing how the costume designer cleverly made it so that she could literally like unfasten her costume very quickly to pump like her breast milk. I was like, that is amazing. And that is wonderful. <laughs> and that is lovely. And I'm so glad we have moved away from like, female heroes and female villains wearing like skin tight spandex yeah. with no give and like seven inch heels it's like you know well they did something with um practical stuff yeah they did something with um oh what's her name you know supergirl um yeah melissa Benoit. yeah melissa um that where they've changed her tra- uh, they're giving her trousers yes so obviously because they film in vancouver and although it looks all lovely and sunny and hot i imagine Cold vancouver probably yeah i was gonna say but i imagine vancouver doesn't have a hot day ever so she i think for the first three seasons or something had or four seasons had to wear a skirt like the typical supergirl image um but actually do you know what those trousers are really cool like, I think yeah. she looks really cool in that new get-up. So I, I can I understand why they didn't do it initially because it was probably break it would have been breaking from the mold, but they should have probably brought those trousers in a little bit sooner. So I well, can I love it. I mean, and you even saw that like in one division, uh, her Scarlet Witch costume, the new version was oh, much so cool. much yeah. more like combat ready than the mm. original yeah. version. Also, oh, the, the same in Black version, Widow, yeah. like. They, they kind of moved her away from the skin tight onesies that she had on in Iron Man 2. <laughs> and like she had yeah. on a much more like combat ready suit in mm. Black Widow. So I appreciate the move away from that kind of stuff. Also, like it is completely impractical. Like I know you guys don't wear heels. Uh, I, I don't really, <laughs> I don't wear heels that often. because well, you wear Miles, Miles Morales uh, combat ready shoes. Yes, I do. <laughs> I do. But like I don't wear heels too often because I'm already six one. So I put on heels and I become like six four, six five. So like it it, it makes wow. no sense to me that these women would ever wear like, oh, oh, I'm a villain. Yeah, I'm gonna be a villain in six inch heels. No the fuck you not. Like you ain't gonna be <laughs> like you can't fight anybody in six inch heels. What are you talking yeah. about? Like Anyway, I love that. And I love that little behind the scenes peek into that and how they just sort of built real life into, into the, the character design. Um, You've just reminded me of Bryce, Bryce uh, Dallas Howard. Like she runs in Oh, heels. don't get me started on like, Jurassic World. Like, <laughs> that was it even the, the whole concept where I was like, are you shitting me? Like, there's no fucking way. Like, there's no she way. Fought, she fought to wear those heels. The director didn't want her to wear the heels. There's and uh, no she fought to way. wear the heels. Like, Stephen's like, what are you talking about? I wear heels all day long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and twice on Sunday. <laughs> yes, so, you have your church heels and then you have your after church heels. Oh, wow. Yeah, my potluck heels. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Oh, dear. Like, so, yeah, I think that's a nice move into what's your other favorite character who's not a Loki in this show? Mm-hmm. Go on, Stephen, hit us up. Um, okay, I'm going to mess up the name, I'm sure, but uh, one me, Masako um the agent b15 i thought she was awesome um she's just she wasn't like um it was really smart because she's the first real agent that gives him flack like and is 
like they use her to really express what the TVA thinks of variants and then <laughs> uh, showing her that she's a variant mm -hmm. and then having her be the one that sort of facilitates the, you know what I mean? The clock, the, the denouement at the end, like it was really, it was really smart. She was, she was kind of the heart of the, the, the movement of the plot and she's a really good actress and I bought that she was tough and I bought that she was, she had a heart. It, I just like, I liked her a lot. <clears throat> so I'm the same. I loved her. Um, it was a toss up for me between her and uh, Gugu. And I like, if I had to pick just one, I'm definitely going to give would be the edge because just like, oh, also she was like, not in the comics so she was a completely mm -hmm. original character made up for the series so she had a lot more <laughs> cool. leeway and she was much more of a of an unknown quantity because you know there was there was no frame of reference for her character but um b15 like it the and the scene toward the end i can't remember if it's episode five or six but toward the end where b15 is like in a cell and mm -hmm. gugu is talking to her and she's like why are you doing this? And she's like, well, like you, you, basically she's like, the show must go on. And she's like, no, but you saw that the timekeepers are not real. Like the whole interaction between the two of them after the curtain was lifted was one of my favorite scenes in the entire series. So I just, I loved the two of them so much yeah. because it, to me, it's like, I have always liked the contrast of people who are part of a system. And then they realize like the system is broken. And so mm -hmm. they kind of break away and, and they have to come to terms with the thing that they believed in, like with their whole heart is fake or it's bullshit. Uh, yeah. But so to see that play out so differently between two characters where it's like with, with B15, she's like, this sucks. Like they're not even <laughs> real. Like what the hell are we doing versus Gugu? Who's just like, well, I mean, yeah, they're not real, but somebody must've put them there for a reason. Like, yeah. what we're doing can't be all for naught so to, it was like this the same dilemma but both of those characters took completely opposite tracks in yeah. in regard to once that was revealed to them i just i absolutely loved that dynamic in this first season of loki uh, my my other well my favorite character is not loki is owen wilson yeah um, he was awesome oh, too like i Honestly, it's just so good. Like he obviously Mobius. I don't know anything about any comic book character for Mobius, but I, I think Owen Wilson. I know he is your sort of comedian, wedding crashes, sort of Starsky and Hutch guy. He's the Joker. He's. I mean, I know he's been in loads of things like Zoolander and all the rest of it. And there's a lot of that crap I don't like. And I mean, it's okay, but I'm, I'm not. Listen, I will a not tolerate any Zoolander slander. On this like, I'm not, no, I don't, I don't, I don't like hate any any of it. But I don't <laughs> love that much of it. Like, I like, I like Night at the Museum, and I, I yeah, it's not everything is in. I love, but the one, but the, the reason why I'm building that up is because there's one film that I really loved him in, and I wish he'd have done more in this genre. Was Behind Enemy Lines that came out in 2001. And that was such a serious film. And there's just like, I know he probably had the odd one-liner, but it was such a different type of film for him. And I remember going to the theatres and watching this. And I was like, this is fucking amazing. Like, this is such a good film. And then I've never seen him do anything near as serious since. And it's literally been like slapstick after slapstick after slapstick. 
So I know Loki wasn't overly serious, but it was such a different type of thing for him. And I know he doesn't normally do television. So to see Owen Wilson come in and not just do television, but actually do something that's serious. And I would say he did have comical moments in it. There's not, yeah. I'm not going to lie on that line there, but I like, I liked the chemistry again between him and Tom Hiddleston. And it was mm-hmm. it, the kind of show was initially split where it was him and Tom Hiddleston at the beginning. And then Tom went off and, and found um, and became with Sylvie, yeah. and then we had to sort of sort of follow Mobius separately, which I liked when they got, when they um, uh, got rid of him from the timeline. I was like, no, I was like, you didn't just get rid of like one of the best characters in this show. I'll be honest, at that point, I cheered, went on to IMDb, and I was like, oh, good, he's in all six episodes. <laughs> I was like, oh, I was like, no, I was like, you literally just killed off one of the best characters in the show. I was like, okay, I can't, I, like, I can't, I have to find out. I was like, I'm not gonna, I know I'm binging this, I know I'm binging this, and I'm being massively impatient because I'm literally gonna see it in another hour if he's back. And, um, but Hit the mo- I love the scene where him and Loki are sitting in the um like around the table, I don't know, like in the time time place, and he's like they're having a chat, and he's like, "You're very clever," like, and then he like runs off, and I love how he has like a, a bet with Loki. He's like, "You'll never bet, you'll never bet." Yeah, gentleman's bet. Yeah, you know, like and like, there's no real bet. It's like you know, but it, it, I love that moment of seriousness behind behind them. But then obviously they come back with comedy where he's driving that stupid car like yeah. on the at the end of the world or the end of the universe or whatever. And I the just, end of yeah, time, he, end of time, whatever you want to call it. And um, it was just so good. Like honestly, like yeah. I, I I'd love to know. <laughs> if he got paid more than Tom Hiddleston to be in the show, like I would bet he did. Like, well, I, I, no, no, only because Tom Hiddleston has such a massive following. Whereas, where well, they got paid the same. They got paid the same. Yeah, I, I loved Mobius's arc overall. Yeah. Like, if I had to pick a character whose arc I like the best, it's definitely his because when he was presented with something that didn't jive with what he thought was always the case, he considered it. Right. Like he didn't believe Loki immediately, obviously. But after he got pruned, it was kind of like, oh, shit. You know what? You're right. Like, I, I, I get it. Like, so he he's another character that kind of took a different route where he was like, this is all bullshit. Like, we really need to find a way to get out from under all of this. And so I really mm-hmm. I really enjoy it. And I really hope like if there is a second season, like, I really hope he gets that jet ski. Damn it. Like, <laughs> I hope he gets the jet ski that he so badly yeah. wants. That's got to be a series finale, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what, like, what do you guys think like worked or didn't work about about the show? Steven. Uh, <laughs> yeah, go on, Steven. Yeah. Um, honestly, so I'll start with the the things that didn't didn't work, and these are really light. But over, oh, overall, he's going to pull out a long list. <laughs> I know. Well, overall, I think everything that I wish had been in the series could have been addressed with a longer series. Like six episodes was, it was concise and awesome, and it told the story. So it probably was the right number of episodes. But like things that I wish had been in there, well, actually, let me say first, I, the character deaths were none of them had any weight for me. Mm-hmm. Um, as soon as Mobius died, I for like half a second I was like, well, I mean, maybe. Um, but then Loki died and I'm like, oh yeah, they're, they're both fine somewhere. Um, you know what I mean? And it's like, nobody, you know, there just wasn't any weight to that. And the truth of it is, I think they knew, I think they knew that. I think that's why there was that, that mid credit scene. Yeah. Yeah. Just to be like, eh, we know, you know, so here's this. Just kidding. Yeah. Hmm. Um, but it would have been, it would have been nice if there had been some other kind of 
threat that was a little more ominous than um, than just knowing they were fine. Um, the um, the, the <clears throat> other thing is I really love Jonathan Majors, um, and to only have been in like one of the episodes, I, I thought he left a really big impact. But the the only downside was um, the kind of crazy, um, jokey, like over the top kind of bad guy. Like he wasn't silly. Mm-hmm. Um, but he had a, he had a, an off kilter sense of humor. I just felt like that characterization has been done several times, and I just really wanted to see him do something that was that was so like very him. Um, and there was some of that, but I just would have liked to seen a, a wholly unique, like different villain because he is an imposing like figure, voice, presence, um, and he's. He's a really good actor too. Um, Stephen, let la- me tell you about this film that's coming out in 2023 that uh, <laughs> you might be very interested in watching. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually I want to um, start Lovecraft Country, but I'm in the, I was in the middle of so many other things. Um, He's really good in that. It's, it's oh, so yeah. completely well, different. So like I'm I'm the opposite. I came from like Lovecraft Country first, yeah, and then to see him in this role, it yeah. made me really happy because and and it for the I, almost for the exact opposite of what you just said like mm-hmm. i love that they didn't go that route i love that yeah. he was not just like this big, scary. big angry black man like he yeah. was he was so charming and like yeah. disarming in the way that he talked to loki and sylvie like i i loved that i loved the nonchalance i loved the look here's the deal like I already know everything that's going to happen. And I'm telling you, like, if you kill me, then shit's going to hit the fan. Uh, So I leave it up to you. Like, I'm not going to fight you. So if that's what you want to do, then we can do that. But I'm telling you what is going to happen if you do. So I kind of love the omniscient presence that he had, but also that he was so whimsical. And it also kind of subverted my like expectations because by the time I got to episode six, I was a hundred percent on board. Like, it's gonna be a Loki variant. Like it has yeah. to be, right? Like the the yeah. the person that they're so chasing too. has to yep. be a Loki variant. Um, yeah. So I'm really glad that they didn't take that easy out. Me too. That. Yeah. Um, but like I will say that this this depth of sort of uh, character, well, not necessarily mm-hmm. character, but like depth of acting with yeah. Jonathan Majors. Like I am now super excited for Ant Man and Quantumania because like I I honestly Ant-Man and and Thor until Ragnarok like like those are just the franchises that are part of the MCU that I don't give a shit about yeah um but after (laughs) seeing this Kang variant in Loki I am all in on the version of Kang that we're gonna get in Ant-Man because I'm assuming it's gonna be awful yeah well and so I think what I okay you've Serenity the the film yes continuation of yeah Firefly, Firefly, Firefly yeah, yeah yeah so I can't you'll be able to pronounce his name I think um uh Chwetel oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah so his the way he that sort of villain mm-hmm. um that I think that's something that, that's where I was kind of hoping he would be because he, the operative in serenity was very 
he was very disarming because like he would he while you're sliding down his sword he's talking to you like (laughs) you could have been friends in another life he's like you know there's no dishonor in this death oh yeah, yeah you're fine it'll be over in a second you know what i mean like that kind of thing and honestly like i said jonathan majors did great i just you know what i mean i'm just i think i'm now, in the grand scheme of things, what you're saying that. is like you wanted a different type of big bad at the end. Yeah. I mean, I, and also, like, I'm a, I watched a, a ton of Joss Whedon stuff. So, like, it was, it gave me a little, some echoes of Ultron, which, huh. which Ultron, his voice in that film was really unique and good. And I actually thought Jonathan Majors was better. I'm just, anyway, it, this is nitpicking. I enjoyed it, but we're talking about things that, and then the last thing, and this is actually something that, like, I, I hope they address down the line, but with him being the God of mischief, I just would have loved to see him be more mischievous. Like, yeah. Yeah, right? like not even, yeah. It's like in the, in the MCU in general, he's always been a little more malicious. And I think that they kind of have begun to recognize that because like, even in this series, they reference times when he did mischievous things, Yeah, but it's like, they don't want to take the screen, screen time to depict it. But like, you know, <clears throat> I don't know. I, I just I think it would be interesting to add that that extra layer. Um, as far as and I'll I've been talking a while. But as far as things I liked, uh, just the characters. Um, the story was 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 perfectly fine. It was science fiction. It's my it's my jam, as Jasmine says. Um, but like, what really sold it for me were the characters and. I just, I, I mean, I could go on and on about the performances. It was like, okay, Friends is not like the greatest written show, but the performances in that show elevated it to make it appealing to a lot of people. Seinfeld, same way. And then also like, anyway, I could go on and on, but like this show, there were just so many incredible like characters that had different perspectives and responded differently to things. And uh yeah, I just really, I really enjoyed the the different performances and the writing was was mm. fun. What about you, Jasmine? Anything that worked or didn't work? Um, I mean, I thought it all kind of worked. I'm glad that we got a series where Loki was not the villain, where mm-hmm. um, we were introduced to an entirely new entity in the TVA, mm-hmm. Time Variant Association or whatever they're called. Um, <laughs> so I thought that that was a good thing to have us focus on because I like kind of like what we were saying um, when we were talking about our verses at the very beginning, like Loki does not seem like a planner. Um, So to have an organization fill that role, because you can't have this sort of big story that links into the MCU, like as all their shows do without someone that has the forethought to actually make these kinds of plans. So I really loved the TBA in general. Like I loved that there was an organization that was responsible for taking care of the chaos that sort of randomly sprung up. Um, uh, as far as like didn't like, I, I, th- I think it, this series kind of had a problem finding its tone. Like, it, it was kind of serious and it was kind of funny. And then somewhere toward episode four and five, when they're on the train on this, on Renovant or whatever that planet was, it, it took a turn and it was like, mm, 
when when we got to the romance factor, I think is kind of when again, <laughs> like the overarching like Loki falling in love with himself, a variant mm. version of himself. I think that's perfect for Loki. I don't disagree with that, but like they they didn't have the lover chemistry that mm-hmm. I would have expected in in a in an actual couple. Like I thought that they had great chemistry as like two completely different people like i'm talking about loki and sylvie two completely different people thrust together in a situation where they have to figure it out for themselves but as far as like lovers i never ever believed that 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 they had that kind of chemistry and now i'm unfortunately i think that's more on on the two actors versus like the scripting because it was written to perfection but it just didn't play out as well as I would have hoped. So I would definitely mm. say like what didn't work for me was just the chemistry between Loki and Sylvie. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I, I was to say, I think one of the things I enjoyed actually was probably, I said it a few times as I was watching it, you know, when they kept jumping around and actually Loki and Sylvie, like whether it was on the train or earlier on um, when they, ended up on that other world you know and they um i've got i can't remember what they called it something far lit, litmus five or wherever it mm-hmm. was they landed um i loved all of that and i was like i actually said to my wife this is like star wars like <laughs> uh, like and i was like okay i know disney owns star wars and marvel and everything every, they own everything um so i was like they, they i feel like this is like some deliberate thing like that they've done to make you think of star wars so that was that was kind of <laughs> I, I i know in terms of what that saying what worked or what didn't i it's just something i enjoyed in terms of the visuals so i just enjoyed the whole visuals of this show like each show sorry each episode Although it was a continual story, mm-hmm. I just loved the look and feel of each episode. So, I mean, I know, like you said, the acting was brilliant. And um, yeah, there was no, no, the acting overall was just phenomenal everywhere from from smaller scenes like Jonathan Mayers to, you know, to obviously Tom Hiddleston. I just loved it all. But the visuals for me were just so, so like, I don't know, drew me in and just like, it was just so beautiful to look at. Um, what didn't work for me, and I love Jonathan Mayers, but I just felt like they found the bad guy too easily. So mm. um, it didn't feel, anybody was, but then he wasn't really the bad guy. Cause even he said it, I'm not really the bad guy. So I kind of, I don't know, maybe, you know, he was kind of an obstacle. Like yeah. well, they I, fought. I Although, think they I, kind I, of wrote it to make it feel like the audience was in the head of Loki. Like yeah. that's kind of how I felt when, cause we get to the big bad and as he's talking, Loki is the one that is like, okay, you're kind of making sense. Like, I'm changing my mind. Please keep talking. Whereas Sylvie was like, no, 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 no. Fuck you, dude. Like, I've been on this mission and I am going to do exactly what I set out to do. And I don't care what you have to say. Yeah. Um, so I think that he was used to good effect just to create the tension between Loki and Sylvie. Mm. Um, but yeah like as when, he came, as when he came in easy, when, yeah. when he came in i was excited i was like no way that's kang yeah i was like yeah, me too i, was I like, didn't i didn't see that coming at all literally mouth just dropped and i i loved all of the scene but it just felt too easy like the getting past the dragon all that i mean classic loki save the day you know blah 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 i don't know it just felt too easy but then maybe it's a whole six episode rushed formula thing they kind of spent like mm-hmm. four episodes with the setup and then two episodes with the build with the ending like i don't know i, I and i don't get me wrong i don't really like 22 episode shows but yeah. like i wouldn't well, have you're wanted british to watch. and uh <laughs> like 
but I, I watch a lot of your shit. I think like, eight might have been a sweet spot for this one. Like, if we had had just two more episodes, it doesn't have to be a full ten. Yeah. But like, if right. we had had eight episodes, I think that would have been a little better. I think maybe eight episodes would have probably been the better thing to do. But I think that was something we were going to start talking about in a minute. So we might as well jump into it: structure and writing and stuff like that. I think we were talking about structure. I mean, I remember when um, Netflix and Marvel got together. Disney didn't want Netflix to do 13 episode shows. Netflix wanted to do it because that's what they did. They did 13 episode shows. I think Netflix have adapted slightly now and do release shorter series um, or seasons. But but like if you look at things like um, the first season of Iron Fist and even some of the Luke Cage things, they really start to drag from episode eight. Yeah. Uh, so I think was Luke, too many. Thirteen yeah. was way too many. The only the only show I would argue that that I was happy with thirteen episodes was Daredevil. So yeah. I li- all three seasons. Oh I yeah, all three seasons. But as the original, <laughs> that makes sense. Like yeah. it makes sense that you're setting up four other series from this one series, so you oh, should yeah. have a bit more content than everybody else. I could have watched twenty two episodes of Daredevil. <laughs> <laughs> no maybe not maybe not but 13 episodes was a good point for daredevil but the other shows you could tell really dragged from its long episodes so i think in terms of loki season one six episodes was probably too short eight episodes would have been the sweet spot to have maybe had a little bit more time with some of these other characters um maybe made put some more obstacles in the way to get towards the the, the season one big bad so like that, that for me in terms of its writing i thought it was done very well the you know had very good dialogue between many of the characters i wouldn't say at any point did anything feel i don't know flat or or you know kind of just just awkward i felt like it all flowed very well and 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 i think it helped to have such good casting so what do you guys think about it steven Sorry, I keep I keep going like this. <laughs> no, but um, people me, listening. Will have... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so I, the one thing I was going to say. Oh, too late. I, yep. All right. See <laughs> no, but the the about um, Kang being a little bit too easy. I think, like I I I somewhat agree and I somewhat disagree. Where I disagree is. So the whole show is epitomized for me in the two scenes. So you have Renslayer and B-15, their conversation, Mm -hmm. and then you have Loki and Sylvie. And both of them are talking about um, stability in in the establishment or the truth and chaos. And those are at odds in both of those circumstances. And Kang, just like you said, Mark, is not, he's not even the antagonist. He's the catalyst. And it's just to it's to take these two figures that have operated in some capacity as as um, protagonists in, in different times and different roles, and put their philosophies at odds and see you know what is either one right is one wrong and you know what I mean. I I thought it was interesting. I really liked that juxtaposition because that's a lot of times even in like in the U.S. the last year year and a half a lot of our arguments have come from well do we want to stick with what we've been doing that that we're right. familiar with or are we going to pursue something new that's a little scarier you know what i mean and anyway i just think it's interesting um so but yeah i um i agree eight eight episodes i think would have been awesome but that's just because i love the show so <laughs> um yeah. i don't i don't really have anything to add to that that's fine so let's move on to where it fits. Oh, in, uh, this is the exciting part. So the theorizing as to where, <laughs> where, where does it fit in the MCU? Where, exactly. Where does it fit? Okay. So Black Widow kicked off phase four it, uh, as 
said so by Disney. So does Loki fall into phase four or is Loki the end of phase three? That's oh, the no, question. I think it's definitely, I'm it's gonna definitely say phase four. four. It's yeah. definitely, I think all these shows are phase four. Like all these shows would have come out like Black Widow was meant to come out a year ago. These shows yeah. are meant to follow. These all WandaVision, Falcon, Went Soldier. Uh, I, I wouldn't even say it's probably up for argument. They're all phase four shows. So and That being said, I am very curious as to the direction that phase four is going because I'm wondering if, if phase four is playing up to the multiverse, which clearly with the end of Loki, that's mm. exactly what they're doing. Is the whole multiverse saga going to end with phase four as the way that Marvel brings the mutants into the MCU? And then phase five is our new introduction or reintroduction to the mutants. Anyway, that's a whole other conversation. But first, like this, this one, to me, this film, my biggest question or not film, this series, my biggest question is. Are, is the Eternals film going to address the multiverse in any way? Because we already seen from the Eternals trailer and I bring up the Eternals because to me, um, so what if is the next uh, TV yeah, it comes series out in August the sequence? Of, yeah. Right, so Shang-Chi is the next film. But to me, Shang-Chi seems like it's going to be a film that takes place somewhere in the near past. Um, since it is an origin story, I don't think it is going to be in the current sort of time well i imagine that shang chi is probably a standalone with, yeah. an, end credit, with an end credit sequence like, yes exactly yeah. so i i'm not counting shang chi so the first viable option for the multiverse to actually make an appearance would be the eternals which is coming out in november of this year well i think what if will be is i think well, what, well, I, I can't really count what if because everything no. is different in what if yes it's so, marvel they'll they'll be clever yeah. enough to link this in they'll be clever i'm enough. sure um so like it's possible because in the Eternals trailer, they do reference like, well, you know, Thanos happened. And now that Captain America is gone, who's going to take over the Avengers? Yada, yada, yada. So like the Eternals takes place after all of the events of Endgame. So is the Eternals going to be the first place where we see this multiverse effect branch out into the films? Or are they going to wait and not do that until Spider-Man? Because we know that there has to be some kind of, it might not be the entire plot of Spider-Man No Way Home, but it has to be a big part. I think, they, I think it'll they, be teased in Eternals. And I think, yeah, that's be, what I'm thinking too. So I think I it'll think, be teased in Eternals. It'll be a plot point in Spider Man No Way Home. It will be resolved, well, semi resolved in Doctor Strange and then fully wrapped up in Ant Man. So I'm thinking the multiverse is going to be a saga that goes through until 2023. I wonder right. if Ant Man and the Wasp is going to be like an Avenger, like a, a Captain America Civil War, like with. It's more... going to have to be, I think, with yeah. with the way that they have brought a Kang variant into this Loki series, Quantumania, which is our first actual introduction to Kang the Conqueror. Uh, but that again, that's not until February of 2023. We got a long way and a lot of movies and TV shows to go between then and now. Um, so. I think it's going to be interesting, and I think it's that's just, you know, the- it's just made me think. You know, like we've, we've, we were theorizing earlier with Wakanda Forever, could they just bring in a variant of T'Challa? Like, from I don't know, they won't, they could, they won't. I think Wakanda Forever is not going to be a film where they interrupt the legacy of Chadwick Boseman in any way, yeah. shape, or form. I think they're going to sort of avoid Black Panther, or they're going to avoid T'Challa specifically in yeah. that film 
When it comes to Black Panther 3, though, that's an entirely different story. So I think yeah. they're going to have the second film where it's like, this is Chadwick's legacy, yada, yada, yada. Uh, but when it comes time for the third film, Marvel is going to be back to business as usual. And I think that they will eventually recast the character. But they wanted to put some time and distance between that. So that's my mm. guess. Well, and <clears throat> honestly, I think, I think I wouldn't be surprised and I would actually kind of prefer it if it is similar to the way they they laid threads for Thanos mm -hmm. and they had the Infinity Stones feature right. in several films, but it was not the driving force of the narrative in most of mm -hmm. these. Or the Infinity like, Stones being freaking paperweights as the yeah. VA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like I would really like it if Kang, if we didn't see the total wrap-up of his story and the multiverse oh, yeah. for seven eight years um like you know phase like six Thanos, or yeah, yeah. yeah i think that would be a really clever way to and i and the truth of it is with variants you could definitely do that you know yeah. um but and then there, the, <laughs> the other crazy thing that i think about is secret wars um because mm -hmm. introducing the scrolls like you have <laughs> you have people impersonating other humans and then you have there's a scroll in loki as well in the first episode yeah yeah it's like yeah did you miss that or i did yeah um, no, it was a, it was a tiny tiny flick of a scroll in the background yeah i missed it and then i watched new rock stars <laughs> <laughs> i completely yeah. missed the scroll well, no, no, no. uh it's just a little little flick and you miss it so i yeah. i i wonder so i know you said about potentially wrapping up in quantum mania i wonder if it might be maybe an avengers 5 type thing where they they kind of or maybe even avengers 6 i they'll definitely have avengers films again um well yeah we, i mean we've got a captain america 4 that was what was announced at the end of the falcon and winter soldier series I wouldn't be surprised if Kang is the new Thanos. There, I, I don't yeah. I imagine they're all going to battle in Wakanda again, but which would be really awful if that just literally got repeated. But it would be pretty. I think they'll probably head towards a big build-up again, similar to Thanos, but hopefully not a complete copy. So, mm -hmm. yeah. but it could be like you say with the variants and things like that. It could be in Quantum Mania. We don't get um, get the Kang, or maybe we do. Maybe we just get an element of him, a bit like we did with Thanos. So, um, I don't know. We've got a long time to go to 2023. I, yeah. So over. Yeah. Uh, so uh, just guessing, like yes or no, do you think that there's going to be any multiverse topic touched at all in the Eternals, or oh, do you right. think it's going to appear for the first time in Spider-Man? Well, so I think you'll come. I think you'll definitely get a reference in Eternals, but I don't think that will be the thing because unless, unless, unless maybe. Unless, because they said how they've not wanted to get involved. Yeah, maybe if Thanos now, didn't pull them out, maybe the variants and the multiverse will pull them out yeah, of hiding. Maybe, maybe they will have to reference Loki, although I, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens now with the movies and the TV shows because obviously they've had Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and all these Marvel Netflix shows. They've never get referenced in the movies. I'd be interested to see what happens with the Disney Plus shows. Are they going to yeah. reference them? So well, my mom was very confused at the end of Black Widow with the post-credit scene because she was like, why the fuck is Elaine here? <laughs> I was like, okay, first of all, <laughs> that's not her name. But yeah. yes, uh, that's a whole other thing from the Disney Plus series. Yeah. So, well, and honestly, if you think back to it, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and their continuity, it really makes a lot of sense because that show was terrible. <laughs> 
I loved Agents of Shield. I I, know, that's why I said it. (laughs) I I got more and more annoyed that they never referenced things. Like they didn't even reference the blip. I was just like, what is going like? They became it almost it was almost like Agents of Shield (laughs) Shield. It's almost like Agents of Shield became its own separate timeline. That's all I think. Like, yeah. But you know, yeah. But then time travel did play into Agents of Shield. So that's all I can think was somehow time travel became earlier on maybe agents of shield will come back like maybe like i don't i, don't, I know they won't nah. um i don't it's i think good. they're gone i think all those characters are gone <laughs> I, I know i know they talk about <laughs> i know there's rumors about chloe bennett potentially coming back yeah. but i don't think they'll bring any of them back i think i think they're gone like i yeah. even think i think kevin i think i think colson's gone i think it's all gone. well colson died it. in the avengers so yeah. i think or they'll leave civil, it out. uh winter soldier no no, so. no 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 he died in the first avengers really oh, okay, yeah. like, loki, loki killed him I he mean, did yeah. did Time, 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 bring that back, bring that back nicely to Loki. So, he did, he did. But anyway, we've kind of we we've talked about the impact here. We've, we're all just guessing. I think what I would like to know more is when is season two going to come out? Like, and, and uh, what two three, years, three man. years, yeah. But what I was wondering was so if this is a lead into Quantum Mania, is season two going to follow Quantum Mania? Yes. You know, are, are we going to have Paul Rudd show up in season two? That would be pretty cool, maybe. Yeah. I think that would be pretty maybe, cool maybe. if you start pulling in pulling in other people. So oh, that's my my thoughts. So um, do you guys think they're going to see TVA elsewhere, or is it is it just a Loki Loki thing? I kind of hope it's just Loki. Yeah, I don't really want to see them elsewhere. Like, I don't. Well, nobody don't... else knows about them. Like, the multiverse yeah. has split off from the sacred timeline, but nobody really knows who the TVA is. I, I'd be happy with Owen Wilson showing up, but I don't want to see them all show up. Yeah, but he doesn't even know Loki anymore, which really kind of like confused and bummed me out at the very end when he was oh, like, they'll are figure you that an out. analyst? Like, like, what department are you from? And I'm like, oh, they'll figure that out. no, Loki's <laughs> one friend, and now he's gone too. That sucks. Um, and then I guess, like, we, we've talked about this already, Kang, we, we loved his appearance, and yeah, just... I think I think overall, I think we loved his introduction to the series, and I think well, he who remains did said, "If you think I'm bad, wait till you meet some of my variants." And I think that yeah. is definitely going to come true. So initially, I did think it was Kang, uh, and then I realized it is true that he is a variant of Kang. So I think overall, I don't imagine that Jonathan Majors is going to play Kang in the same way. <laughs> like I oh, think he's going to play Kang like way, way, way worse. Oh, yeah, and I think that, that yeah. If this is any why... prelude to how what Kang's going to be like, though, because he was fairly ominous, so yeah, um, I think Kang but... is going to be scarier than Thanos. He might yeah. not be oh, quite as be. powerful, but I think he's going to be scarier for sure. Yeah, I think because you've got to step it up, right? So, yeah, exactly. Um, well, what do you think on the end of season one? Then go, go, Stephen, go. What do you think about the uh, end? It was an awesome way to get me to want to see season two. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good answer. Yeah, yeah. Was... What about you? What about you, Jasmine? Um, I loved it. I love that it ended in chaos. I, I think mm. that that is a perfect no, I do, yeah, way yeah, yeah. I think to it kind did. of end a Loki series. I love, I love that 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 like you say that he didn't know who Loki was and turned around and there was a Kang uh, statue there. Yeah, and I was like, okay, this is really which cool. made me wonder, like, was that there before and I just wasn't paying attention because they did have a scene <laughs> where they were in the library and they kind of panned out to show the whole library and I'm like. Did I miss that the first time around? So I really like you had asked earlier at the podcast about the watchability, rewatchability. And I think 
so far loki is the the one series where i'm like i really probably need to go and like there's loads of little easter eggs in there so you'll you'll miss this go back and you'll see the scroll in um he's in the queue for the judge so oh the guy with the ticket yeah yeah he was a scroll how did you know he was a scroll I, I I I watched something that told me the scroll. I didn't catch yeah, it first. He didn't look like, like a scroll even before they purged him or pruned him. Same. But um, what would you rate this, Stephen? Oh heavens, are we doing out of five or? Yeah. yeah. Oh, um, out of out of five hundred. No, no, out of five. Uh-oh. Yeah. Oh gosh. Out four of five variants, what do you give it? Yeah, it's a four and a half for me. Like I, I love it. Jasmine. Um, I'd go three and a half. <laughs> what? Who are you? Like, <laughs> three, three and a half. Oh, I'm gonna smash you all five, five. Wow! Wow! No, nah, do you know what? I probably could lean towards a four and a half, but I'm gonna stick with my five. To bring Jasmine to a four, I understand. Nah, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brings us to a round, round four. Yeah, it's all so, about avenging the Castlevania episodes. Ah, uh, touche, touche. By the power of Grayskull. In our 61st episode, we'll be reviewing Masters of the Universe Revelations from Netflix. I am beyond excited. And a little teaser, the following week, we've got more He-Man shit coming for you. Oh, yeah. We're we're He-Man-ing it up. And don't forget, we did start a second podcast series where we tackle some of the most essential graphic novels of all time. Our eighth Late to the Party book club episode was Batman the Killing Joke by Alan Moore with art by Brian Bolland. That episode dropped at the end of July, and in August, we are back to nonfiction as we take a deep dive into Persepolis by Marjan Satrapi. You can follow Geeks and Niche everywhere on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, just Geeks and Niche. That's it. Find us, follow us, comment, tweet. Do you do your shit? Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, do you ever wish that you could, you could talk to your friends about the latest episode of Geeks Unleashed? Well, you, you know how you can do that. You can share with them that this podcast is available anywhere on that podcasts are available. Uh, Podbean, Google, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere else that you can find those podcasts. Give us a five-star review and share it with all your geeky friends. Thanks for listening. Have a good week. Bye.